Welcome back to the Hard Enduro channel and welcome to 2023. For our very first podcast of the year, we've been lucky enough to be joined by the bike whisperer, Mr. Ting Coleman. Scotty Chapman has joined me as per usual. And we've also been lucky enough to be joined by FIM, world number two hard enduro rider, Sherco factory back rider, Mario Roman. So we're over the moon to have Mario join us for this podcast. Now, Mario's going to be coming down under uh, and race round one of the Australian Hard Enduro Championship in April 1 and 2, which is the Kosciuszko Killer. So I'm really, really looking forward to see Mario get around that track there. Mario's also going to stick around for about five or six days after the event. He'll be joining forces with Tim Coleman. So Tim and Mario will be working together holding coaching clinics. Each coaching clinic will last for two days. So if you're lucky enough to score yourself a registration, you will be with Tim and Mario working together for two days. So that's absolutely fantastic. I can't wait to get involved with that as well as watching Mario race. For this podcast, we delve into Mario's past a little bit, uh, find out how he got involved with motorbikes, his, his riding and his race history, uh, his favorite race, uh, a whole lot of information there, bikes set up, which surprisingly is very, very little. Mario pretty much rides a stock bike, so that was really interesting. Um, I won't waffle on anymore. Let's get stuck into it. Best of luck to everybody racing and riding in 2023. Cheers. Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to the Hard Enduro channel. We're here with Tim Coleman, Scotty Chapman, and also international FOM rider, factory back rider, Mario Roman. Mario, welcome to the channel. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to me to be here with all of you guys. Mario, I want to go right through your history. I've done a bit of Googling. I think I found one podcast on you several years ago, but maybe only went for about 25 minutes. So I want to go right back through through the history of your riding life, like, you know, basically, where did, you, where did you grow up? When did you start riding? Have you done motocross, enduro, obviously you're doing hard enduro, trials? So basically, let's go right back. And what age did you start riding at? <laughs> well, I started riding trials when I was five years old. And I just did trials until 17 years old. So almost the important years of my career, I was doing trials which was a good school to me for the technique, clutch control, throttle, body position, and everything. And then I suffered a little bit when I get in one difficult level in trial. So um, I try in enduro, and I just enjoy more than in trial. I believe in trial, you, you can have a lot of fun riding and training, but in the races, it's very tough for the mind because you have many sections and all the rivals are watching yourself and it's very tough for the mind, a lot of stress. So I, like I said, I try in enduro and I feel that I was enjoying more my riding and I was more happy, I will say. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I, I raced World Championship Enduro like six years, like just special tests and yeah, normal Enduro. And a couple of times, six days Enduro as well. And with 23 years old, I test Esber Rodeo and a couple of other races. And 
back in 2015 with 25 years old, I decided to move to hard enduro because I feel that um, in the other sports I was before, you have to get good results to enjoy. But then I tried hard enduro and I realized that just getting, getting into the finish line was a big achievement to yourself and that made me feel so happy. So yeah, I fell in love with hard enduro and I believe this is my favorite sport right now. All right, Mario. So to start off with um, trials as a young fella, was the influence from the family or was it um, something that you've seen and went, I want to try this? Where did that start? Well, um, my family, like my father, my mom, and also my uncle, loved motorcycles before. So my uncle had enduro bike. My father had trial bike. And uh, my mom just liked like the, the, the bike to go in the city or whatever. So yeah, all of them like the motorbikes and they introduced myself. But I believe when I was born, I cry if they don't put me on the bike. So I was already like dreaming to ride a bike. <laughs> and Mario, what part of the world was this where you grew up? Where, where did this come from? I am from Spain, Madrid, the middle of Spain. And yeah, I've been living here my whole life. And just now in the last three years, I moved to Andorra in the north. Describe to us in Spain and Madrid there, what is the bike culture? Is it ingrained in the in the people or is it something that's on the fringe off-center off to, you know, soccer and that would, or football would be a, a major sport in that country? Is, is the motorcycle sport, is it big or is it a fringe? Well, this is another issue. Like Alfredo Gomez is also from here, from Madrid. We are the only two ones like become good one day uh, living in Madrid because most of the other Spanish riders in all disciplines are from Barcelona, which is like the paradise, like a lot of tracks, federation, and yeah, a lot of good teams to yeah to fix your bike or whatever. So to for us, it was very complicated to become good riders living in Madrid because we have the, the, the obstacles, we have the good mountains for training, but we didn't have any other good riders. So it, it was difficult. Also in Enduro, it was difficult. So at some stage, you, you would have realized that you were talented and you became good at the sport or fast. Who were you looking up to? Was there a, a local that you looked up to or was it coming from overseas? Who were who are the guys that you aspired to ride with or be like? Well, I had a lot of idols during my career. I believe when I was trial rider, I really, really like Jordi Tarres, Marco Lomer, even later, Tony Bo. Um, but then when I moved to Enduro, I really like Juha Salminen, Cervantes, and all of, of these guys. So I believe I watch all the videos, um, even without social media. I remember I, I tried to yeah watch as much as possible and uh, try to be as good as them. I believe. Did you watch the videos to watch their techniques and and pick up hints of how they rode? Yeah, I, I believe I explain this in my riding schools to the riders because sometimes they cry or they tell me like they cannot believe they cannot become as good as us because they are from South America, a small country, and they don't have no one for from learn, good teachers or whatever. And I say, 
listen, guys, in the past years, we have so many videos in the social media. It's much more easy than before. Like 20 years ago, you don't have all these videos. So now with following team, following me, Graham, and all the good riders, you can learn a lot and just go and practice. But the thing is that um, you want to do in one day and you have to practice for years. So that's the thing, I, I guess. Let's talk about practice for a moment. How often do you ride and, and your training, like obviously you train, I know you ride push bikes, quite cycle quite a fair bit. Do you train in the gym? Do you cycle? Do you ride? What's your preferred method of training and how often? Well, um, I believe I train, I don't say harder than anyone, but like really, really hard in the past years, like all kind of sports, gym, a lot of cardio in different, yeah, uh, cycling, running, swimming. Um, trial, motocross, enduro. I believe I I have done all this before, um, and I get a good base of fitness. I would say so. I can um, handle for many hours of riding, so my performance is still good. But in the last years, I stopped a little bit with the gym and all this preparation because, like I said, I make already many kilometers an hours. And I am doing more motorbike riding, like a trial, enduro, hard enduro, even motocross. So the thing is that the hard enduro develops so much. So you you cannot win like before Graham did if you are very good in trial. Like you have to be super, super fast, even crazy in the fastest stuff of Romaniacs. Um, you have to be strong as well, technically, physically and mentally. So I have to train every day, every day, different disciplines and try to be fast in all sports to be competitive at Enduro. So, so Mario, when you go out for a ride, is every ride a training ride or do you sometimes mix up and just go for a fun ride with some mates or that? Or is it every single time you're trying to break yourself? Well, I try to train alone most of the time. I would say 80% of the time I ride alone. So I do what i believe is good to me depends what is the next race because it's not the same the preparation now in january with i have a couple of races of seven or eight hours so i have to make long training um and it's not the same with tko in america which is a hit of 40 minutes so um I believe 80% of the training alone and then the other 20% with some friends try to enjoy and make some videos and yeah, learn, learn from them as well. Because I believe you learn not only from the good riders, you learn a lot from the all kind of riders. Do you enjoy riding in a group with people who are obviously everyone you ride with is going to be slower than you? But do you actually enjoy riding with people in the group who are slow with you? Like you don't mind stopping and waiting and helping them, or do you get sort of a bit, a little bit frustrated? And think, come on, guys, let's keep riding. Or no, 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 it's it's different when I am riding by myself and getting better for the, the race mm. than when I am in other country, for example, in Australia, and I have to go out with. A group of people I really enjoy to help them to make their life easier to them and yeah, have fun. At the end of the day, we are all human beings. We are the same and uh, I will help them if it's necessary and I will wait for sure. 
and like I said, give my tips to to make the life easier. When you go and ride with the the guys like Billy, uh, Graham, many, um, you yeah, Afrodo, I imagine to the lead ups to races, uh, you get a bit of time on the track to you know check out your bike setups and that. When you guys ride together, is it is it all on? Are you guys pushing each other as hard as you can? See who can get up that rock face, that ledge, or is it just go out and have a bit of fun and and see what the other guys are doing? Yeah, um, I believe sometimes is enjoy ourselves and have fun all together. And yeah, I believe when I train with them, sometimes we we spend a day or a couple of days riding in close to Andorra because most of the riders live there. Um, I believe they want myself to lead the way all the time. And it's like, you can pass me and I can learn from you. And they are like, no, I don't know the way. And I am like, yeah, you know the way. You've been here many times. Like Billy, Johnny, and Taddy, you know, they want me to lead the way all the time. And it's like, why? Like, you know the way. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I am kind of riding who doesn't care. Like, if someone is learning from me or want to be behind me, for me, it's the same. Like, I am open to teach them if it's necessary or, or show them my skills. I, I do not hide anything. Have you ever been on a ride with these guys and um, seen a bit of a rock, you know, section, a bit of a cliff face, and then have somebody hit it and do it, and you just go, oh, I don't know, oh, that's, wow, I'm glad you've done it, not me. Is it ever been like that? Yeah, I believe, uh, like I said, it's, it's positive to to train with good riders because sometimes, even other kind of level as well, but um, any person have different ways to make the obstacle. So, um, yeah, sometimes, for example, with Billy, I make a couple of things that I wasn't able to make it. And after I saw him, I was able to clean at the first attempt. And with Johnny, I believe as well, because I ride many, many times with him. And yeah, he's very good in training. And yeah, I don't know. He makes different lines that sometimes I cannot see with my eyes. And then when you see Johnny do it, then you can follow and, and make it clean. So I believe it's very positive. But like I said, sometimes when you ride with them, they don't want to share with you the techniques and anything. And he's like, come on, man, I'm not going to ride again if you don't lead the way, you know. I rode with Tim a couple of weeks ago down at a property in Victoria, and that's why I let you go in front, Tim. Just, you know, I didn't want to – I wanted you to lead the way. Just got to embarrass you. Yeah, that's good times. Good fun. <laughs> I rode with Tim a couple of weeks ago, Mario, and we're riding on a very off-camber hill. There was no tracks. So it was just all really green, slippery grass. And there was a log. It must have been five foot high off the ground. And I'm just trying to keep the bike upright. And Tim just goes, boom, straight over the log. He's just like, no, I can't. Always looking for lines. I know you are. I know you are. But you've got the skill to do it. <laughs> Greg, I went on a, a bit of a training ride a couple months ago with Tim. And um, we went out for a trail ride after it. And we found this big rock. And Tim was jumping up onto it. It's like eight foot high. And I was keen to have a go. But I had brand new boots on. And I wasn't too sure. <laughs> How well they were going to grip on the bike. So, yeah, well, right. it, I, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. That need too much pressure in your tire. I believe this mistake happening all around the world. Like, the people don't understand that they have to go without pressure. Like, 
even nothing. It's better nothing than full. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It's like cheating. Yeah, exactly. It's like cheating. Yeah. Just going back a little bit, Mario. You, obviously, you started with trials. Do you think that's been a part, a major part of the success that you've had? Yeah, I believe so. I believe. Uh, like a couple of riders as Wade and even Theodore Kavakiev and yeah, Travis Tisdale, Monty Green, like a couple of riders now are not coming from trials, but uh, 85, 90% of the top riders are coming from trials. So I believe it's very important and gives you the, the right technique to, yeah, to clean all the obstacles and don't waste a lot of energy in the races and in the practice. I think that's important, and it's the same, I guess you're all the same too, Tim, aren't you? I mean, with Tim's trials background, it, it shows. Um, we just had a race here called Wildwood Rock Extreme, Mario. I don't know if you're familiar with that race, but Tim raced it, and he, I mean, he, he had a, a he was testing a product, and the, the product didn't last as long as he expected, but put him out of the race. But what, what, where did you fi- finish up, Tim, when you came out? You're in what, maybe third position, were you? Um, I think I was in second, but that's oh, second or third, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's when um, I was. It's a bit of a shame that the product failed, but that's all a part of testing new things. And you know, obviously, I haven't been training and been focusing on racing. Yeah, you've so been much. off the bike for a long time, haven't you? But that's what I'm saying. Like your trials experience really shone through because you yeah. get back out there and and for you sure. can see your technique when you ride and how you handle. Yeah, definitely. Bike. Yeah, I think like when you just get in, like Mario said, when you get into hard enduro, like you sort of you're out in the middle of nowhere and you can actually start to relax you don't have like you know pressure of people watching you and that's when you can really like get into your element where you can mm. actually relax and you know all the hours you've spent by yourself training it um that's where it pays off you know yeah. so yeah. i think that's you know and trials has been the best thing we could right. ever do really quick question for both of you then so you just both mentioned how you like to relax when you're out on a part of the track and there's nobody around but in this sport you do come to sections that are hard technical and a big crowd gathers there do you get fired up by the crowd like that green i think it's green mile or something at um Erzberg? green hill green hill, green hill. Green hill. Yeah. do you get fired up by that crowd or does that sort of intimidate you and you wish you could do it on your own no i really i really enjoy it with the crowd i love them uh for sure they help you when you are having cramps or feeling really, really tired and you have to make the last push. And if they are there, it's much easier than when you are in Romania by yourself. You don't hear anyone in the middle of like the mountain and it's completely different. I would say it's exciting to have people and that's the one of the best uh, parts of our sport to have a lot of crowd and feel your name all the way to the finish. For example, races us last day of Hispania or Getsen Rodeo or things like that is really excited because the whole track of 10 minutes around, you are hearing your name and people is cheering you on. So I, I really like it. What about you, Tim? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think like it's probably something we're not really used to in Australia, um, just having like big crowds and, you know, spectators cheering you on. I know when I've gone to Europe and... Um, I did Erzberg and got up that green, green, green hill or whatever. Um, there was a, there was a few Australians there and it was exciting. It actually added to a lot of adrenaline and yeah. uh, it would make you try something you probably wouldn't do otherwise. You know, when yeah. when you got a when a, when you got a crowd there, you'll just 
you want to impress them. I have to say something like uh, the past edition of Esbury in 2022, um, I was getting ready for the start because we have to go like two and a half hours before to down down of the quarry in the start. And I was there in the paddock, like chilling and getting ready. And the Australian riders from Circo, excuse me, but I don't remember the, all the names. Uh, they Chris, call, Chris Perry, Anthony, and Anthony Sola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. them. Um, they, they come and they said, guys, you must go walking right now because they modify the motor section in the night and you must walk, watch. And Wei Jiang and me take the follower bike and go down to the town and then try to go in the road as fast as we can. And the police ca catch us because we didn't have a number plate on the bike or documents. So the police stopped me and we just go. And they said, you cannot move. Like, this is not legal. You cannot keep uh, riding in the road. And I say, I'm sorry, but I have to go. And no, 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 you don't move. So I call my mechanic. They come very quick. And finally, we were able to go walking. And they modified the whole motor section. It was insane section. For sure, the toughest of all editions. And luckily, when I get there in the race, I knew more or less what to expect. But it was, yeah, pushing the whole way with the knees. And it was a tough moment, but I believe it's better when you know what to expect. So thanks for the Aussie guys. They helped us a lot. I'll pass it on. I'll let them know what you said. <laughs> I've actually had that conversation with those two boys, and they, they told me about that. Yeah. The, that's a good hard way with us Aussies. We um we try to make sure everybody's got a fair game in this enduro sport. We'll we'll stop and help and put ourselves out to help our competitors. Yeah. How many attempts did you try, Mario? Uh, on the I, was able, I was able to clean in the first attempt. Really? I think I was the only one, but I don't know if it was luck or I I just clean it. Yeah, that's, that's I thought, sorry, sorry, Tim. Yeah. No, I was just watching the videos and it looked like the, the hill got completely destroyed. There was no line by by the time Graham or someone got there. Yeah, this happened. As you know, when it's like muddy terrain and slippery, as many times you try, more slick it gets. So, so yeah, I was lucky enough to be in the front and try at the beginning, but... Some some parts I would prefer to arrive later because, for example, the river you get in the beginning to open a throttle. When yeah. I ride through, it was full of rocks and yeah, complicated. And then it become much like a ramp, like all yeah. clean. So I don't know. I believe it was in the limit of the race. They want no finishers last year. Like they said, they want zero riders arrive in time to the finish line. Mm. And the problem was not the hill, was the single track they built in the right. It was very narrow, like the bike won't fail. And if you see many riders as Graham Billy, they make it well, the uphill, but then in the single track, they fell because it was broken. It was yeah. too narrow. Yeah, these things to me make no sense because we are the whole week walking the mountain, uh, yeah, trying to get in all the difficult sections, and then they modify it in the night, and I don't know why they do this. It's, it's really insane.
Yeah. I was going to ask you, do, do you know why they do it? It's, I, I don't understand why. Maybe, I don't know. Does, have, other riders, have other riders maybe ridden that section previously and might give them advantage or they don't get mm-hmm. to ride? I don't think, like, for sure, Manny trained a lot in Esber and other riders from KTM Group. But um, this this section was brand new, like no lines. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know if they walk in the morning and they knew or I don't know. When you see the video of money, he made like this with the heads. I don't know if he knew what was coming next or, but yeah, definitely make no sense. What do you think about the use of helmet cameras in races, Mario? I think so. I think uh, Downhill World Championship and Motocross World Championship are using them. And I heard that the reason is because GoPro is sponsoring the championship. So I believe if GoPro sponsors our championship, then we will be allowed. So it's political and money. Yeah, I, I believe there is no, I mean, for sure can be danger. But if you sign a document that is, is your own risk, should be should be possible. Yeah, I agree. I, I think uh, chest when the camera is on your chest, the vision is it's terrible. I don't watch it. It's it yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. yeah, really bad and not comfortable at all to have here something. Now, well, if if you fall very hard and hit your chest, you're going to have the GoPro right in front of your heart. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. make any sense. Make your hole and go in the other side. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that happened to me with a GoPro on a chest, and I, that's this is why I think they're more dangerous than on a helmet, is I'd done a, um, a step up onto a ledge. I leaned forward, and when I stood back, I pulled the accelerator cable with me. Ah, so now, the, yeah. now the bike is, is going, and there's nothing I could do to stop it. Yeah, that's <laughs> this happened to me as well. Don't crash, but the, sometimes when you want to stand up, the, the amount gets stuck with the cable, yeah. Mm, that is dangerous, isn't oh, it? I find, I find that more dangerous than a, a camera that may snap off your helmet and disappear and you might find it two weeks later in the mud. But To me, the safest spot is in the visor, not in the helmet, in the top, in the visor. Then yeah. if you crash, I believe everything goes yeah. somewhere. The visor breaks off and the camera goes with it, so that's not a problem anyway. Do you do all your own social media? Yes. Well, you, so you make all the videos and you post them on the Instagram and Facebook it, because it takes a lot of time, doesn't it? Yeah, I have one guy editing because for sure I am not professional editing video guy, but um, yeah, then I post and I try to uh, answer as many questions as possible from the people and everything. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. It's one extra job now. Like we spend a couple of hours a day easily, uh, yeah, making the the answers and everything. It's a very powerful tool to help the sponsors and yourself, isn't it? To encourage sponsors to help you through the year because you can give them so much exposure. Yeah, I believe some of the brands prefer you to be powerful in the social media than win races. When you first turned professional. With your sponsors, did you chase the sponsors? Were you looking for sponsors or did the sponsors come to you? Both. I think sometimes you chase the sponsors the whole time. Even now, you try to chase a sponsor like one van for go training and races, you know, things like you don't want to pay. But um, some other things like, for example, sponsors from the dirt bike, then they call 
you or whatever. Four stroke or two stroke? What do you prefer? Both. Um, I really enjoy both bikes. Like, for example, for competition at the maximum level in hard enduro, I believe the two stroke is a bit better because it's a bit lighter and yeah, feels lighter because it's the same weight, but feels lighter. Mm-hmm. And um, then in other kind of races, so like super enduro special tests or something like that, I really like the four stroke or even for amateur ride riding the 300 circuit four stroke is my favorite bike is is unreal uh, last time in brazil i've been two weeks doing riding schools there just with a soft tire in the back and completely standard bike and i really enjoy i make uh, good sections and i think it's a bike uh very competitive so Mario, when you were a teenager and you know before you you got to the speed that you have now, what type of bike were you riding? Was this on a motocross bike? Were you doing it on a an old KTM EXC? What what got you that break? When I started in enduro, I think I tried all the brands. I had the CRF two fifty X. I had the Gas Gas two fifty. I had Suzuki. Uh, well, a lot of bikes, but then somebody was very good in in Madrid riding enduro, and he told me if you wanna become good, you have to switch to 125 to learn how to switch the gears, open the throttle, and have the speed and the momentum in the corners, in the turns. So yeah, I switched to 125, and after one year, I really step up my level and. I win the world championship in that class just in the first try. So I believe this was very important to me to to learn how to open the the maximum and uh, have the speed the whole time. Is is there one bike in your career? Like, I don't mean now in the professional sense, but in the amateur days that you just have a soft spot for that you've kept or you were wishing that you did keep. KTM 125. What year? Uh, 20, 2010. 2010, 125, yeah. Yeah, I really like it. The, the price of 2010 125s has just gone up. <laughs> Everyone's going to go out and try and buy one now. <laughs> it's in my garage, actually. <laughs> what about a 200, Mario? Did you ever have I really like Yeah, that's true. The, the old 200 engine, I believe... For the trial rider, it yeah. was the best power you want to have from one engine. Yeah, for so sure. So smooth and very fun. Like you had the, the funny part of the 125, but then with a little bit more power in the bottom. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah, I think 200. So like they should be more, should be more of them. Yeah, I believe it should be good uh, to have all brands now with the 200. Yeah, you know, the biggest mistake KTM made was getting rid of the 200. Yeah, that's true. Great, crazy. I don't know why they did it. But Beta, Beta stepped up and they make one. So my daughter's got a KT, a, K, a BD, I'm sorry, a Beta 200, and it's a fantastic bike to ride. So much fun. Very, in that good motor. In that 2010 era, I did ride with a guy a lot that had a 125, and he put the 150 kit in it, and that that bike went forever. It was one of the best motorcycles I could say I've rode with. Mm. Yeah. That Nick Wed? Yeah. 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 
And I um, bet your Nick wishes he kept that bike too. If you, oh, if you listen sure. to this podcast, he'll be like, oh, I shouldn't have got rid of that. <laughs> Mario, early on, you, you mentioned um, trials and how important it is for hard enduro. And you also spoke about, you know, needing endurance and strength and also speed. I've seen a, a video recently last week you put out, and as you and the Tony Bow riding together, I can edit this bit out if you like. Do you think Tony Bow would be good at hard enduro? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think I think yes, but I guess my question is: Would he have to work a, a lot harder than what he does now? Does does he have the speed and does he have the strength to ride? Maybe say like Romaniacs. You know, Romania is a particular race because uh, we do like 120 kilometers per day. And for sure, I think for Tony, he needs some time to, for example, be able to fight uh, for the win of that race. But in other races like Lagares, Hispania, Esber, um, yeah, all the other technical races even gets in Rodeo, I think already... In the beginning, he can be for sure top five, like now top five. And then if he train a little bit, I think he will be unbeatable. I wonder if he'll yeah. have a race hard enduro. I hope he does. I put him on the training a couple of times with enduro and he really enjoyed it. He, he liked a lot. And if you, saw, if you see um, him riding on the Honda CR250, what he's capable of do is like no way like it's impossible <laughs> like the bike was so bad and i tried a little bit and yeah the bike was rich and the clutch was not working and yeah i i said you cannot do nothing like do what you can and in five minutes he make a video like amazing video like playing with the bike like yeah he's yeah. he has another level for sure and he's yeah. very strong Back to your training, diet-wise, being a professional athlete, what sort of diet do you have? You obviously don't go out and eat pizza and, and drink beer every single night. So do you, you, you watch what you do. Do you cook your own food or you're on a very, very strict diet? Or We have a family restaurant in the city, in Madrid. So my father is a famous cooker. So in my family, it's like tradition to eat properly and good food. So we like to cook at home. Even if I am not in Madrid, if I am in Andorra with my girlfriend, we cook the whole day and I like to, to buy my product and eat clean. But um, at the same time, I'm not hungry, you know, like I eat the whole day as much as I want because I burn so many calories. So, yeah, I just eat clean and eat as much as I want every day. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I want, but I don't burn the calories. <laughs> yeah, but your your meals aren't prepared by a professional chef. They're prepared no. by the pie oven at the at the servo. <laughs> nah, exactly right, Scotty. Murray, do you have a favourite race you've you've ridden today? I believe Alestrem, which is going to happen in twenty days. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, That's I really cool. like it. It's, it's a long race. Only three finishers, and every lap is increasing the level. So it's three laps of 60Ks, and the third lap is like the the whole Esber, I would say, even harder. Wow! So after five hours, you have to you have to complete the Esber. So it's really really hard, and yeah, challenge yourself every year. So I really like to. 
to win again this race this year, hopefully. One of the reasons we're getting together and doing this podcast is you're coming to race in Australia in April this year. Um, it's round one of the Australian Hard Enduro Championship. Now, the race is called the Kosciuszko Killer. Last year when it was on, you made a few comments on some of the videos there. Last year, we got a lot of rain. It was very, very slippery. Silver tracks turn into gold tracks and the bronze track turn into silver track. Watching the riders come back, they're like broken soldiers returning from war. Do you hope at Kosciuszko, when you come and race, would you, would you like a dry track or a wet track? I don't mind. Like Both things are good. I believe... I am good in the mud, but I am better in the dry conditions. So, yeah, both things are good. And I just want to go to Australia, meet all of you guys, and enjoy as much as I can my my time in uh, such amazing country. So doesn't matter if it's raining or not, I will enjoy it. Yeah, I think, I think you'll have lots of fun. And you and Tim are going to get together and do some coaching, I think, for five or six days after the race as well. So... That would be good to have you guys working together and teaching yeah. people all the different techniques and lots that'd, of trials and hard enduro skills. That'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I follow Tim like all these years, the videos, the coaching he did, and it's amazing. So, yeah, i really yeah, looking forward to, to have time with him and try to help as much as we can together, the Australian riders, to, to become better and make our tricks yeah, yeah, for sure. We're going to have a lot of fun, do a lot of tricks together and make many videos together. And I think it's cool. We It's not often we have such a world-class rider in Australia. Mm. So I think we have to make the most of it. And yeah, yeah. it's going to be really cool. And this will be your first trip to Australia, Mario? Yeah, it's going to be the first time. Excellent. Well, I'll pick you up from the airport and we'll ride the kangaroos back to the race property. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> At the start of this, Mario said that he does a bit of cross training and he does a little bit of motocross with the cross training. Was there ever a time there where you thought motocross might have been the direction? I believe, like, if you are a trial rider, you can be more or less good in all disciplines, but uh, to be like professional motocross rider, you need. A little bit extra speed, like I can be, say I am fast in motocross, but not as fast as the pro riders. So you can be good in enduro, hard enduro, or trials, or other things. But in motocross, you need to to be fast from a very young age, I believe. When when your like enduro, hard enduro days go, do you feel like you may go off to another form of enduro, maybe like the Dakar? Would you see yourself doing? Long desert races, or that's not a skill that you've ever looked for? Uh, not really. Like, I really enjoy watching Dakar and watching like all of them race with me, like Toby Price, uh, Santolino, Barreda, uh, Benavides. Like, all of them r- race against me in Enduro the, in the past years, like back in 2010 or something like that. But uh, I, I believe it's very dangerous sport. They go so fast. And yeah, I don't want to try myself. Like, I, I, I feel more safe doing hard and do Even if we go very fast as well in Romania, Serbia, and other races, Dakar is another, another thing. So I would like one day to try with the cars or boogies, but not uh, riding a motorbike in Dakar. <laughs>
where do you see your goal in 10 years? For the moment, I am enjoying every year even more and learning more and increasing a little bit my level and even my performance. So I hope I can enjoy in 10 years the same, the race, make some clinics around the world and uh, hopefully have a family by then. You obviously, you fly all over the world. Did you enjoy all the travel or does it get, does it get, do you get tired of it or it's still, in, still, still mm-hmm. love it? I enjoy because uh, I put my mind into the the place I'm going. So mm. I don't like in that 20 hours, 30 hours, whatever. I try to watch films or, or be thinking in other things. Because if you are thinking how many hours you have to travel every week, mm. then you you don't have the motivation to make it happen. Like sometimes at the end of the season, like November or something, you are very, very tired of traveling. Yeah. It's very hard. I would say it's one of the hardest parts of our, our job. Do you think there's anything the hard enduro community can do anything to improve the sport? Is there any aspect of the sport which you think we need to do or other promoters need to do? to help the sport grow? I think it's complicated because we have a lot of ideas. And for example, in the last race of the year in Spania, we have a meeting, all the riders with the FIM and the West promoters. And we expose a lot of ideas to improve, for example, the GoPro camera in the helmet and a lot of other things. But then it's difficult to move forward because like some races are three days, 20 hours in three days or four days. And some other races is one day of 40 minutes. And yeah. you get to collect the same points for the championship. For example, 20 points in Romaniacs and 20 points in TKO, which make no sense because you are like prying in Romaniacs for a week. Like, please, the bike don't stop and the, the bike ran good and myself have good performance. And then in TKO, in 40 minutes, you are done. So I think they should uh, uh, find the balance, I would say. So it's not easy because you have to modify a lot of rules, and even the races and the format. But uh, they need to work a lot for this championship become good one day. For the moment, I believe it's not good. I'll stay in touch with you about that, in particular the GoPro, because it's such a valuable tool for promotion. To say you can't have a, um, a, a camera on your helmet was based, I believe, when Michael Schumacher, unfortunately, you know, had his accident and caused some serious injuries. But there's been testing with GoPros on helmets since then, and they've actually found the GoPro helped dissipate the energy. So it, it, it hit the camera... It dissipated the energy through the whole helmet and didn't point load on the helmet, if you know what I mean. So there's no science behind telling them not to use GoPros. It doesn't make any sense. I think uh, Sumaker was one reason, and the other reason was um, one KDM guy from AMA Supercross. I don't know the name. Yeah, get paralyzed because the GoPro get into the head or whatever. And then KDM... KDM and Red Bull put the, the rule that was not allowed, but then, for example, circle riders are allowed and other people were allowed to, to, to wear on, but then FIM say that. But 
it's like I said, it's, it's politics because if GoPro pay FIM for become, yeah, um, uh, in our helmets, then it will be fine, like motocross or downhill. But because GoPro is not paying FIM, then it's not allowed. So it's not about safety. It's just about politics. Have you got any questions for us, Mario, about the race? Uh, yeah, how many days of racing, how many hours? Day one, which is Saturday, we have prologue. So you'll get a couple of hours to do prologue. Now, it's, I've got, I'll send you some videos to this too. It's a, it's a, it's a man-made course, so you've got logs and tyres and all that sort of thing to get over. So you go through logs, tyres, off into natural terrain, so up through the hills as well. Um, that that will last for a couple of hours on the Saturday and Sunday. Uh, it's essentially a four-hour race. But the track stays open for seven hours, but I might review that for this year as well. We might make it a little bit longer. But there's going to be laps of yeah, laps. Yeah, the track is about 16 kilometres long. It's on a property yeah. which is 1,300 acres. The gold tracks, you've, or you would have seen the gold tracks in the videos. Quite, for us, quite some difficult sections. And we're going to add a new track in as well. So that'll, um, that'll get your, your blood and, and juices flowing through there. You'll be dripping with sweat and, and swearing a little bit, I think. This property was the very first property we ever held a, a grassroots harder duro on. And Tim was the winner of that race. And um, we thought that that track wouldn't be, nobody would be able to finish that track. And at about the 50 minute mark, Tim came around for his first lap. So very quickly, we worked out how far and how fast these guys can go. So over the years, we've created a much more difficult and harder track there. And about an hour and a half hour, something uh, under two hours was a lap. Uh, in the dry the year before, last year they were in the wet, so the laps were quite much longer. Um, but we made the call to send the bikes out, the gold riders out on the silver track for the second lap. But they'll still be there for a couple of hours. So I think they only got two laps done in that race. Yeah, there was, yeah. Yeah, so this year the track will be longer again and there's going to be a new section added for the gold riders, which will slow the gold riders down a lot. So it's going to be uh, a bit of a bit of a, you know, a gruel, a, a long technical race. You won't have anywhere to rest. There won't be any section of the track where you'll be able to take your hands off the bars and shake them out from start to finish. You'll be on it. A technical single track climbs, descents, there's no rest. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I knew you like that. The reason it's called Kosciuszko, we have a mountain range over here or a mountain called Kosciuszko, which is in the, snow, in the area of the snowy mountains. So that's one of the areas in Australia that it does snow. And this property, when it snows, you can see Mount Kosciuszko in the distance and it just looks beautiful. So we call it's, it. It's the highest mountain in Australia. What did you think the first time you raced there, Tim? What was going through your mind as you were doing a first lap around that, that property? Yeah, I thought it was really cool. It was like pretty much the first hard enduro like round we ever had in Australia. So it was mm. just so exciting, really. Um, and it was just such a, an amazing property, you know. Um, it just, yeah, it was, I knew it was going to just going to take off from here. So I thought it was pretty, pretty cool. And, you know, it's only getting bigger and bigger in Australia. So, yeah, it's we're very fortunate to have such cool properties coming up in Australia to to run these rounds. Yeah, very, very, very lucky, and it is growing, isn't it? So hopefully we can see a strong future in the years yeah. to come. Um, 
and I've been speaking to you, Tinny. Do you think you'll race or or not? I don't um, know. Oh, I'm just going to pick and choose what I'll race. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I don't want to lock myself into committing <laughs> to all these races. I just need to do what I enjoy, and I, and yeah. I just love riding my motorbike. That's all I yeah. know. <laughs> nice one, mate. Nice one. He's racing the Kosciuszko. It's gonna be you like, reckon? Yeah. <laughs> we'll There's no way he's going to miss this opportunity. Uh, I just, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Mario, there's a there's a feature on this Kosciuszko track we call the Rocky Mile, which is a continuous hill climb, maybe, I don't know, one and a half kilometres long. And pretty much by the time you come around here on your second lap, there will still be bronze riders stuck on this, this feature. And it's one of the most exciting things to watch, the gold riders come up through the, the bronze riders and um, the technique you guys use, just, you know, third gear up on the back wheel, keeping the bike float above the rocks, whereas you've got bronze riders heads down, lying on the bar pad, realising they've made a poor choice of life. So it's an exciting part of the track, that. Very nice. This is going to be good for the GoPro footage. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure it will be. The the hill Scotty just referred, referred to, the Rocky Mile, it's literally 500 metres from the start line. And every year... There are people who don't get to the top. They spend four or five hours just trying to get up the first hill. It's uh, wow. it's very interesting. Um, wow. Yeah, on the on the second, I think it might have been the second year I ran the race. I had a rider. I don't know who it was, but he rang me up and he said to me, "I've got a confession to make." And I said, "What's that?" And he said, "I couldn't get up the Rocky Mile, and I rode all the way back to the car, crying my eyes out." <laughs> and he wouldn't tell me his name. But he said, he said, thank you so much because I'm addicted to hard enduro. I can't wait till the next race. So it's, yeah, he, he, he loved it. Even though he was crying, he loved it. <laughs> wow. and, and there's a section of the uh, Kosciuszko track which has become very famous here at the, the Australian Hard Enduro uh, community called the, the Big Tree. Um, it's not a very high hill climb, but it's very steep. I think today Tim's the only person to actually get up there unassisted. Wow. So um, we, we've made it a no-help zone, but the riders help each other. But I think the first year you got up there a couple of times without any help at all, Tim? Yeah, the first year, yeah. Yep. Yeah, but we've made it – We it used to kink off to the right a bit, but now we've made it dead straight, so the riders are really struggling to get up. And so we'll be keen to see somebody get that in one yeah, the, straight to the top. Plenty of sorry bro moments there, I'm sure. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> oh, the sorry bro, that's actually what I wanted to ask you about, Mario. The sorry bro has become a bit of a catchphrase for the hard enduro um, culture. How do you feel about it? Do you sick, get sick of hearing it or do you feel a uh, bit of pride to get it out there? Well, um, I think it's, uh, it's a funny moment that happened back in 2019. And in that moment, I didn't realize it would become that famous. But then, like you say, like all around the world now, when somebody knocks another rider or block another rider, they say, sorry, bro, naturally. And yeah, it's very, it's very special to be the, the owner and the, <laughs> how do you say? It? Yeah, the guy who created the sorry, bro, the first time. I can, I can uh, hear it. it. I can hear that because you came beside the rider and I can hear him now. You've just knocked him a little bit. And he's gone down and he's going to go, oh, Mario. And he's like, I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> he just flies down there. No, it was, it was not fun in that moment because, no. 
Yeah, it was a like 200 meters drop. Wow. Yeah, in the video it seems flat, but it was unreal downhill. Like even myself walked the the downhill, and um, yeah, I I was glad to like the rider was okay and nothing happened. So at the end of the day, it was a funny moment, but not in that moment. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, you yeah, probably yeah. made up five positions going down that hill. <laughs> yeah, I think like not joking. That guy will be crashing anyway because he was already in the edge and no one pulled him to the back. So for sure, he had two options, like throw the bike and walk or crash like he did. So I just helped him, actually. But uh, yeah. Mario, the West Series, you got round one uh, in Serbia in May and and then you've got... Uh, oh, Erzberg Rodeo in June, Abistone, Romaniacs, Outliners, uh, Roof of Africa. You've done Roof of Africa before, haven't you? Yeah, 17. Well, just one time. Did you, did you, you won that in 17, did you? Um, no, I had mechanical issues with my chain guide. I break three times the chain, so I learn as much as I can, but I didn't have good run. You must be looking forward to getting back to, to Roof of Africa then. Yeah, it's a special race. And then you've got so the end of the year, the final round, round seven is Getson Rodeo. So, what race are you looking forward to the most out of next year's? Uh, oh, sorry, this year, 2023, for the Wes series. Would Romaniacs be your uh, best favorite one? Yeah, Romaniacs, I believe all of them, like they are different each other. So, you have to train properly each month for the next race, the next terrain. And uh, yeah, I think it's very important to be regular during the season. Like even if you win one time, you have to be in the top four, I would say, all the races because otherwise it's very difficult to fight for the championship. What about bike setup? Is your bike heavily modified or is it just maybe your suspension and and an S3 head on there? Like, does you change your bike setup very much? Yeah, mostly the suspension. The, the S3 head and everything, mostly I run with the, yeah, with the low compression head. But, uh, yeah, for example, in Canada, I felt the other year that you need a lot of power because the uphills were insane in third year. So, yeah, some races I maybe going to use higher compression, but mainly the main changes are suspension, like harder or softer depends the terrain. Yeah, okay, okay. What about sponsors? Who's sponsoring you this year? I know he's just signed with Sherco again. Yeah, I signed with Sherco for three more years, which is amazing. Oh, like, nice. It's like to me, yeah. And uh, then I work for Motul, uh, E3, uh, Golfer. Um, yeah, a lot of sponsors. And yeah, I hope to make good for them as well this year. And Looking forward to enjoy the season. Mario, what race do you look back on and go, that was the best, like I've had the best fun or most exciting race? Which one lives in your memory the most? Wow. I have so many, but uh, maybe in Spania back in 2019, when I passed Graham in the second to last uphill, this was like 12,000 spectators cheering to me and it was a very special moment. <laughs> Beautiful, especially passing Graham. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was I was living for like hour and a half, so and I opened like a cup of a minute and a half or something. So I was I I supposed to to win easily, but then I had a lot of cramps, and in the last lap I was very slow, and Graham catch me, and then he passed me, and then almost lost the race but yeah i was able to pass him and it was a very special moment i don't know how graham just keeps going because he's not a young man anymore and look he just like romaniacs he comes out wins romaniacs it's, it's crazy he's, he's, so he's amazing he writes every day he never stopped traveling most that than anyone in the in the world and uh, he saved energy i believe his technique and saving energy the whole race make him uh, successful yeah yeah do you get cramps very often no 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 never but this race it was on the edge of the pace and very hot and yeah summer like 35 degrees and for almost three hours at the maximum of my hair rate and yeah i get cramps that place what what about arm pump do you get like in australia we call it arm pump do you call it arm pump in Spain, yeah. like, your, your arms are so sore, you can hardly hold on to the bike. Do you, do you, do you get arm pump at all? Every day, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was going to ask you how you avoid it, but if you get it, you can't. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think you have to breathe and try to be more calm in their bike, and then it goes away. Yeah. Do, do you get it at the beginning of the ride or and does it go away or, or do you find it you get arm pump towards the end of the ride or for me it's just the first twenty to thirty minutes, then okay. I warm up and then it's fine. I can ride until dark, no problem. How, how do you go with nerves on the start line? Is is this something that you're now accustomed to or do you still get nervous each race? I think I, I am used to be calm and easy in the starts. Only in Esber, maybe, because Esber is so dangerous to start, a lot of dusty, a lot of riders, high speed as well. And maybe it's the only one with helicopter and everything. I am a little bit nervous, but in the other races, I am quite relaxed, I will say. Yeah. On that start line at Esberg with the other 50-odd riders, are you, you focused on going for the whole shot? Do you want to be the first one to that hill climb or are you accepting that you may have to battle with it in the mid-pack? What, what's your approach there? I mean, I think the, the, the key is to be very quick uh, uh, starting your bike when you see the flag moving. But then, like, like we know, the Mafia <laughs> knows some tricks and even <laughs> without moving, everyone starts. So it's really bad. Even they said... Um, switch off the engine but you can listen a lot of bikes so at the end of the day everyone is with the engine on yeah, and it's i don't know every every year is a new surprise in the start of Esmer. you never know do you think any bike brand should sponsor a series or do you think the bike brands should not be able to sponsor a series and have no influence should not be able to sponsor the series yeah, i agree what do you think about the prologue at Esberg? do you think that's resembles the race itself or should it no. be a different prologue? Should, it, should be a different prologue, but at the same time, imagine 2,200 riders making one super enduro prologue or other kind of prologue. It's not possible. Also no. because there is not only enduro motocross bike, there is road bikes, Vespa, 
scooters, like all kind of bikes in product. So I think it's traditional and it's for fun. So even for us, it's not the perfect product, but it has to be like that. There is no other way. Yeah, like you say, that two thousand bikes there. It would take a week to get the prologue finished. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Do you get involved with any of the pre-race um, races, the hill climb stuff? Do you get involved with any of that, or you focus just on the race? Focus on the race, the big picture. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What What do you think about the prologue for Romaniacs, the street prologue? Do you enjoy that? Mm, I. Yeah, it's not bad. A lot of spectators, and I think it's the only way to show the CBU citizens and the tourists more or less hard endurance sport. But I believe super endurance is one sport, and hard endurance is another sport. So yeah. I believe the best prologues are the natural ones with some obstacles, but are uphill, downhills, rocky sections, rivers. So I believe a small track of hard enduro for prologue is much better than the, the others like super enduro prologues. But sometimes for the television and for the crowd has to be has to be in the city, has to be like that. I designed the, the prologue track at Kill Kosciuszko, so I want to hear your honest feedback when you finish it and critique me the best you can. Hopefully I will, I will. <laughs> when you do coaching with Tim, what sort of things are you guys going to focus on? Like each group will, will last two days, so you'll have a group of people day one and you'll make it slightly more difficult and increase for day two? Uh, I think it's always important to go back to the basics. I don't know what Mario does over over in Spain, but I think all the riders need to learn the fundamentals. So I'm sure Mario does that, just teaches the clutch control, you know, mm-hmm. I think just the basics for the start. And then, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure Mario's got a few tricks, but I think, um, yeah, it's important to go back to the basics, I think. so. And I'm sure Mario can teach a lot of the riders about, his experience with when it comes to races overseas as well. You know, I think a lot of riders would be curious to hear, you know, exactly what a professional does, you know, how they prepare and their nutrition. So I think that's going to be a really important part in the coaching clinics, I think. What's the most common mistake you see riders doing, Tim? Ah, to be honest, like it's probably just not having the clutch control, like, you know, just being comfortable with their clutch engagement point. You know, I find a lot of riders have their clutch set up in the totally wrong position. <laughs> and I think, you know, for, for your riding, clutch is the biggest thing, I believe. Yeah. So I think when you that's say wrong important. position, do you mean the actual position of the lever on the bars or do you mean the pickup point with a clutch? The point? engagement point on the clutch. Yeah. 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 I always think like they're never like they're very they're not very confident to adjust it themselves. Right. You know, and I think that's what they've got to learn. They can play with their clutch lever. You know, it's, there's no harm in playing with your clutch lever to get that perfect point. What about you, Mario? What's the most common mistake you see riders do? Yeah, I agree with Tim. Uh, most of the riders want to pivot turn, want to open the throttle and make the heat climbs and things like that. But then we have to remind them to, to go back with the base, fundamentals, and class control, body position. And uh, yeah, basically, 
like we as trial riders, we move our body more, like more to the forward and backward, you know, like we move a lot in the bike. And I, I believe the people stay in one position on the bike. So I think I follow team all the videos and we pretty much teach more or less the same techniques. And then for sure, the second day is going to be more hard. We will put some big challenge to, to the riders. And I think it's good because it's up for all the levels. It doesn't matter if you are beginner or you are getting pro, you will learn something yeah. new for sure. I was going to ask a question based on that, but you guys may have already answered it in other layman's way. What would you suggest an average rider work on to progress quicker in their riding? I think like, you know, like learning a slow wheelie, you know, I think that can teaches you so much control on a motorbike. I think that's the biggest thing because you, you've got to learn. There's so much going on. You've got your throttle, you've got your clutch, you've got your rear brake. Um, it, and there's a fine line. So slow wheelies is, you know, it's actually a really good skill. And I think riders should really be, you know, it's easy to do. You can just jump on your bike, put a helmet on. You can wear your shoes and just go out in the backyard and you just practice rear brake control and slow wheelies, I think. Tim, it's not easy to do for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I think but it's a safe, safe skill. It's a yeah, safe yeah, skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny that you say that because I put a lot on when I tell people onto their clutch control, which is what you were using as an example before this. But it's very funny because I've got a 10-year-old boy that's obsessed with hard enduro and he's just gone out and spent hours practicing the wheelie he's just on his own without me telling him to he's in the backyard on his 65 and he's just spending hours and hours and hours doing his off your videos tim doing a, a you know a 360 pivot wheelie on a 65 mm. and, and I, I just sit there watching him for hours do that and i'm not telling him to do it so no. I'm, yeah. I'm really impressed that that's what he's um focusing on and then this he say that um, you know, I know he's, he's watching your videos, mate. That's cool. I think it's a good skill, and I think um, kids should be trying it a lot. <laughs> Controlled, not just flat out. Controlled. Tim, you got any questions about Cosy Oscar at all, mate? No, no. I'm just looking forward to it. So, yeah, I'm sure it's going to be a great success, and especially having Mario down, adding that extra element and excite, excitement to it. So, yeah, I think it's going to be really cool. Mario, when you come over for the race, will you bring any... Uh, suspension for the bike yourself or will you just rely on the crew over here to set it up the way you like it? Probably I will bring some history parts and that's it, I believe. I've got Chad's suspension over here. Chad looks after Sherco in Australia. So you can do, do if you like, you can do some testing with Chad on Friday. Um, he'll put new springs in for you and do uh, adjust the valve in how you're happy with it. Perfect. Like yeah. I am used to travel to countries and get a stock bike uh, with Kaya uh, bus suspension, normal setup. So yeah, I used to open the whole clicks, compression and rebound, and it works well. Okay. Yeah. Nice and easy then. Yeah. That, well, that's that's a good thing for a pro rider that can gel with a stock bike so quickly. It must be a a good asset to have. Not have to worry about bringing your own parts and waste of time setting up when you can just be out there on the bike. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe it's important to have, uh, for example, Serco is is really ready to, to go racing and 
Yeah, um, you can adjust a little bit the handlebar, the levels, and put the right pressure on the wheels and sorry on the tires, and then go go for it. It's very good. Do you have a tire of choice? Do you like a certain tire or or, or moose, or are you just happy with whatever you can? I I really like the Michelin, even the the standard one, the Enduro competition, Enduro. But uh, I like the soft moose. I believe it's more important the, the softness of the moose than the tire. Are you taking a standard moose and drilling holes or cutting it or anything? Or yeah, do you have yeah. a certain brand of moose that you like? <laughs> that one is even better, Greg. <laughs> Greg just held a tire up in front of the camera for anybody wondering what we said there. Um, but I believe many people make the mistake to put the super soft tire, but with a hard mousse, so it's for nothing. Like, even the hard compound of tire with a soft mousse works very well. So it's all, all about the mousse and not the tire. Yeah, more or less, yes. Yeah, all right. Well, mate, I'm excited to see your ride. I'm sure as hell make some sneaky uh, arrangements to be on some of these rides. Can't wait. That'll be good. Mate, thanks for joining us, Tim. Mario, Scott, Mario, can't wait to see you come down here to Australia, pick you up the airport, set the bike up and uh, enjoy some riding with Tim and I'll sit there and just have a big smile on your face and watch. you <laughs> be bloody fantastic and uh, thanks for taking the time to speak with us today and it was good to learn a bit about your history and how you got into the sport and it's good to see you so, still so passionate about it. Bloody fantastic. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure and... Yeah, I am feeling like good vibes already, good energy with you guys. So looking forward to to be in Australia very soon and enjoy as much as possible. Hopefully we can impress you and you love it and you want to come back again. Yeah, I will. I will definitely. Yeah, excellent, mate. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. All right. Good on you. Thanks for joining us. Good to me. See you, mate. 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 See you, mate.